power of visitation. Hear the Spirit call. Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupon. Be blessed as you listen. together for the Lord. Oh, I believe you can clap better. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to hear your response. Hallelujah. All right. We thank God for this morning. Amen. And I believe you are excited to be in the house of God on a Sunday morning like this. There's no better place to be than to be in the house of God on a Sunday morning. Hallelujah. And we thank God for the gift of life to be able to savor his goodness on a day like this. Hallelujah. All right. How many of you are ready for the word? All right. Okay. So I started preaching something last two weeks. I spoke about maturity the essence of maturity so i'm continuing on the same tangent today hallelujah today i'm going to talk to you about signs of immaturity signs of immaturity as for the signs of immaturity there are thousands of them but if i want to preach on signs of immaturity i can preach the rest of the first half of the year (laughs) and i wouldn't even exhaust it hallelujah yeah so i'm picking certain aspects of immaturity which cover different aspects of life i mean i can i can decide to preach on signs of emotional immaturity because there are some people who are emotionally immature and then there is spiritual immaturity and all of this but i'm going to jambalaya the thing and just mix everything up hallelujah so some of the things i'll mention will, will be pointing to emotional immaturity some of them will be pointing to spiritual immaturity some will be pointing to social immaturity etc etc hallelujah so tell somebody open your ears say listen to what the preacher is about to say tell the person you may see yourself in the sermon say don't get offended take it as medicine for your soul and take it as medicine for your spirit hallelujah you know sometimes when you are preaching under the anointing one of the signs is that people feel you are preaching about them <laughs> i tell people don't don't think you are that big for you to be the subject of a preaching hallelujah don't 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 elevate yourself that like I, he's preaching me we were called to preach christ not you <laughs> hallelujah aha uh-huh. so if it happens to fall around your area just take it in good faith Mm, it's like chloroquine how many of you have taken chloroquine before see this generation you don't know chloroquine those days when you have malaria eh? you are more worried about the bitterness of the chloroquine you will be taking more than the fever and the rigors and the headache because the the regiment they call it 442 <laughs> 442 day one you take four tablets and the chloroquine is such that it melts very easily and it's very bitter. 
So the moment it enters your mouth, that bitter taste can stay in your mouth for one week. You will eat toffee, you will eat whatever, it will still be there. <laughs> Hallelujah. So sometimes taking medicine can be difficult, but it's good for you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So today I'm going to speak about signs of immaturity. I may not be able to exhaust it today. I don't know. Because at a point, I have to divert into signs of immaturity in a male. And then signs of immaturity in a female. Uh-huh. We separate the two. So that we can understand and assimilate it well. Hallelujah. Uh, but you let's see what God will do. All right. So number one. Number one. Number one sign of immaturity. But before you, let's read the scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I believe this, this teaching or this sermon will help you in your life. It will help you in your marriage. It will help you in your relationships. It will help you in relating to people. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Um, it says, when I was a child, in fact, let's read it together. All right, ready, go. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Let's read it again. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Hallelujah. Tell somebody, put away childish things. Tell another person, put away childish things. And grow up. Hallelujah. Yeah. So this is Paul talking. So even him, he's admitted that at a point in time, he was behaving like a child. But there are people who are still behaving like children. So you need to grow up. You need to mature. You need to stop certain things. One of the signs of immaturity. Placing unreasonable demands on people without considering their capacity to fulfill those demands. When you place unreasonable demands on people, without considering their capacity. Don't worry, I'll bring it home for you to understand what I'm saying. It's a long sentence. Placing unreasonable demands. So you let's bring it into a, maybe a marriage and relationship setting. Unreasonable demands. There's a way in which you can place unreasonable demands on your spouse or your beloved for time. And the key word is unreasonable. Say unreasonable. 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 Say it again, unreasonable. unreasonable. You see, I want you to say the word unreasonable so that you don't go and say, the pastor said, when you demand time from your husband or your beloved, you are immature. Gentlemen, that's not what I said. Hallelujah. Because most of the time, the demand for time and attention comes from the female side. Hallelujah. Sometimes it's the other way around. I've seen relationships where the gentleman is, and, 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 and when I call, she says she's learning. And when, most of the time it's the other way around, though. She says she's learning, and, and I don't know what is this. Is relax, relax, relax. Take time. Take your time. Placing unreasonable demands. 
you know the person is at work but you expect that he will call you five times during the day and if he's not able to do it he comes back to see you and that I've been calling you I've been calling you I've been calling you and you start doing your things and your things come then your face too has come there's some face be that can come you know that face you you have some face be that can come say unreasonable demands yes it is a sign of immaturity hallelujah yes you want the attention but consider the fact that the person is busy amen you see one of the wrong times to try to seek attention from a male it's probably when he's watching football. You see, you should, be, you should be mature enough to know that. You see, you that time there. Unless, of course, it's so much of an emergency that it cannot wait. When a person is doing something that you know they are engrossed in, that is not the time. Hallelujah. Aha. Uh-huh. Because you are bound to have a half-hearted response. And that one too will make your face come. And your things will come. Hallelujah. You should be mature enough to know that oh this this one this is not the time for you let me just allow him to have his space and this and after that then come we need to talk uh-huh then now you have a case if you bring the can we talk especially when his team is down one nail and there is a free kick in front of the goal that can be another goal that's the time you are asking for attention can we talk i want us to talk unless your head is cutting off or you are having a pulmonary embolism and he has to carry you to the hospital otherwise you will die leave him alone let him have that moment then you can come back later that is maturity hallelujah or the gentleman what i'm saying am i lying is the truth allow allow and that is when you come this and say hey and i'm talking to you and you are not minding me the next time you say oh you say oh and then that one too will become another matter altogether. But if you had just been mature about it and just waited just 90 minutes, just 90 minutes, 90 minutes, <laughs> just 90 minutes. Oh, and they are saying, but it will help people if they take what I'm saying. Oh, yes. Just 90 minutes, you 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 prevent all this shouting and this is and you are worrying me and blah 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 blah. There's a way somebody can answer you. And the person is telling you, you are worrying me without using the words. And you don't want to experience that. So just wait, be mature about it. Hallelujah. Placing unnecessary demands. Unreasonable demands. You are with him and you are watching television. And in a Nigerian movie, somebody surprises their beloved with something that is very expensive. Well, like you, you must get me this thing. Meanwhile, you know the guy's pocket. You know how much he earns. That's for us for the next ne- next Valentine day, brother. My also Yeshua. Or my next birthday day, you have to do something. Meanwhile, you know you you must know you must be mature enough to to put things into perspective. Hallelujah. Yeah place unreasonable demands sometimes because of unreasonable demands people's spouses go to borrow money they are not supposed to borrow there are people who embezzle funds at work 
just because of pressure on unreasonable pressure from the people in their lives comparison and 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 so so and so took their children to london during the vacation and every time they are sitting here in Ghana, crack, 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 and So, for the other party to have their peace of mind, you let me go and look for some loan, be somewhere. If the person doesn't have integrity and is working in a place where money passes through his hands a lot, oh, the devil say, You borrow it, not steal it, borrow and pay back later. And sometimes when you borrow those things, the payback becomes a problem. People are living way beyond their means now because of pressure and comparison and, and unreasonable demands that have been placed on them. Look, nowadays when you see somebody driving a flashy car and blah, 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 a cow is, <laughs> you don't know that a cow, yeah. To be able to drive in that car, if you can't afford just trust God and continue to walk and continue to take your trotro until it gets to the time when you have the capacity to meet that need. Hallelujah. Yeah. So don't place unreasonable demands. Unreasonable demands for time, unreasonable demands for for, for uh, uh, what do you call it? attention, unreasonable demands for financial and, and material things. There are a lot of marriages, a lot of relationships that are hanging in the balance and it's because of some of these things. You know the person is a, is a medic and sometimes you are working in gloves so you can't touch your phone when the call comes in. And sometimes it's not like a very important call. I'm checking on you. I'm, trying to, I'm just trying to see whether you are okay. <laughs> It's good, it's very nice and all of that. You call once, the person is not responding to, the person is not responding. Don't send a message and say, please, I'm a human being, why? Mind me. You are just opening unnecessary <laughs> wounds and creating trouble where there isn't supposed to be any trouble. So missed call four times. When a person calls back, no attack straight. And you, where were you? And I've called and called and called and called. And this, 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 this. maybe he was just in gloves. So he couldn't touch the phone. May God give us the grace to be mature. Hallelujah. So that is sign number one of immaturity. Number two. When you reject shift and transfer blame and you do not accept responsibility for your mistakes it's one huge sign of immaturity look you should be mature enough to accept that not this one it, it was it was my mistake i made this mistake people will blame everything including their kitchen sink for the things they've not done right Instead of just admitting and saying sorry, sorry, S-O-R-R-Y, how many letters? Five letters. It's so difficult. They have to blame this and that and that. Sometimes it's true. There's something to blame. But sometimes it's just mature to take the responsibility and, and, and let things go. Hallelujah. 
Look, sometimes you must take responsibility for things you are not responsible for. You see, the Bible talks about the first Adam and the last Adam. Jesus was the last one. And Adam was the first Adam. The difference between the two of them is that the first Adam didn't want to take responsibility for what he had done. When God came and confronted him about eating the fruit, he shifted the blame. It was my wife. It was the woman that you gave me. That means he had even brought God into the matter. That if you had not brought this woman, this matter wouldn't have happened. You could have simply said, the woman. He said, the woman that you, 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 you gave me. So it's not my fault. I won't take the responsibility. So that was the nature of the first Adam. But Jesus Christ, he was prepared to take responsibility for what he didn't even do. By taking our sins, even though he was without sin. That is maturity. That is maturity. Sometimes you analyze the situation and just take responsibility for the thing and apologize and move on. And whatever has to be done is done. But some people they will look for whatever reason and this and that and this and that and that. Sometimes people unreasonably put the blame for their wrong actions on certain things that happened in the past. Sometimes it could be true. But sometimes too, we use those things as an excuse. And instead of working on ourselves to change, oh, it was because in my last relationship, the person was verbally abusive. So I have built a certain kind of character. So it's like, I mean, I have to fire back. That is why I talk by heart. And I don't think before I talk. Instead of accepting that it is a character flaw, it is something that is wrong with you and you need to work on, you are blaming the past relationship. That's what that guy, every day, he was insulting me. So me too, it's like I, I built a certain defense because you have to fight fire with fire. So that is why I'm rude. That is why I don't respect. That is why when I open my mouth, there's no filter. I just say anything. Instead of being mature enough to say, look, this is a character flaw. I need to work on myself. You always want to blame things. People will blame and blame where they came from. You, you, have a, you have a bad character and because of that, guys cannot stay around you. Girls come and they see the character and they run away. You say, my, my house people. You have me fearful. As for me, look, oh, my house, people don't marry for long. So that is where it is. It is not from you. It's from you yourself. You have a character problem. Work on it. Admit the fact that there is something wrong with you. Go before God. Seek counsel. Work on yourself. But if you walk in this mentality that is my house and it's my background and it's my people who are doing me, I know that as for my people, they fight marriages, Pastor, and you are still misbehaving. You better grow up. Hallelujah. Mature and take responsibility for the flaws in your life and work on them. Even if they are not your fault, work on them. blame our backgrounds too much. Their backgrounds may have an effect. But you can build barriers against it. If your background is having an effect on you, that means there's something you are not doing. As a child of God, there is something you are not doing. There is something you are not working on. Don't blame your past relationships. Don't 
blame your past experiences. Take responsibility and work on yourself. Go before God. Cry to him that, God, I don't like this particular thing. This, this thing that I just talk to people by heart. They see you nice, beautiful lady. They come close to you. And they realize that your character is some way. When you get angry, you, you talk as if. <laughs> so that may be the, the reason why the people are not staying maybe the reason why the people are not staying maybe you like argument too much everything you argue everything you argue everything you argue everything you argue there are times when you must be the fool and say okay you are right even though deep inside you, you know that Charlie it doesn't add up Maturity will make you do a lot of things you don't want to do. That's maturity. You do things you don't want to do. You think Jesus wanted to go to the cross? At least Gethsemane, he showed it clear. He was trying to negotiate that. Charlie, can we change this thing small? He didn't want, but he realized that no. It had to be done, so he had to go and face it. So when you are a mature person, you will do things you don't want to do. You don't live life according to how I feel and what I am comfortable with. Things will not work well in your life that way. There are a lot of things that will cause you to move against the gradient of your emotions, move against the gradient of your flesh and what your flesh wants. At times somebody says something to you, Pam, and you want to respond in equal measure or even a higher dimension. That is what your flesh is demanding of that I was saying me can be betrayed. Like, I want to say something to him so that he can't wake up tomorrow morning without a headache. But then maturity comes in and says, calm down. Let it go. Forgive the person. Forget it. Behave as if nothing happened. That is maturity. Maturity is when you can turn the other cheek. Mm. That is maturity. You can turn the other cheek and receive it again. Boing! And your head wants to spin and come off. But Jesus says that is maturity. That is how you must act. Hallelujah. Some of us, we, we hold on to our rights too much. We know our rights. It is my right to talk back to him. It's my right to respond. In our eyes, those who can keep quiet about some of those things, just say, oh, you are weak. But that is rather strength. That is strength. The, the ability to resist your emotions and the ability to resist your fleshly instincts. That is, that is strength. That is strength. It's easy to move down the gradient too. And that is what your instincts want. To move is like an easy slide. But when you are moving against what your flesh wants, that takes a lot of strength. If you've ridden a bicycle before, when you're riding downhill, it's easy. You don't even need to paddle. It's like second nature. Gravity will take care of it. But try riding uphill. You realize that there's something called typing. Sometimes you are paddling and it's not going. And the thing wants to go the opposite direction. That is how maturity is. That is how acting against the flesh is. May God give you the grace to accept responsibility for the things you are supposed to take responsibility for and may you work on them and may you become a better person in Jesus name.
Number three. One sign of maturity is the inability to adjust to change. Last week I told you I'll talk about adjustment. Uh, so I'm talking about adjustment now. Look, in life you have to learn to adjust. Don't have your mindset that's for me, this is how I like things. This is how I do my things. You need to adjust. Hallelujah. What will work in this environment? If you move into another environment, it will not work. And you don't say that is how I am. And that is how I was brought up. This is how I know how to do my things. No. Maturity demands that you learn to adjust. Look, marriage is adjustment. It's, it's lifelong adjustment. Let me tell you. You will go in with certain expectations. Especially when you've read a lot of novels. And you've watched a lot of movies. And you have a certain unrealistic expectation. You have forgotten that it's a human being you are marrying and not an angel who dropped from heaven. And so when you get in, you have to start adjusting. First, adjusting to the fact that now you are not living alone. Amen? So how you used to live. When I say how you used to live, you know what I'm talking about. How you used to live. And everything is by heart. When they come to your room, it's as if a bomb has dropped there. Boom. Everything is upside down. If some of the things could hang in the air, they will hang. Somebody say adjustment. Look, one of the causes of biggest causes of problems in marriages, let me tell you, is adjustment. When people don't adjust. Because you see, you think you know the person now in a relationship. When now you are roommates, you lie on the same bed. You will get to know other things and you need to adjust to those other things that you didn't know were there. <laughs> you have to adjust. Hallelujah. But if you make up your mind, oh, that's for me. Ah, but I mean, I didn't know that this is how you were. Now you are in it. You are aware. You know it. Work with what you have. Hallelujah. Because what God has put together, let no man put us under. You work on, work on it. Shift your expectations. Adjust your expectations. There are some of the adjustments one person has to make a hundred percent move from this point to come and join the other person here. In some other cases too, you have to do 50-50, but whatever the case, you have to meet on the same plane for the thing to work. Adjustment. If you will catch this revelation I'm talking about, eh, the early part of your marriage will be easier than it would have been. Hallelujah. Adjustment. When children come in, it calls for adjustment. The dynamic of the marriage changes. And if you don't adjust well, you will create a certain negative situation in your home which will follow you for the rest of the marriage. I'm telling you. If the two people don't come together to adjust to ensure that this new gift that God has given will create an environment that will make us enjoy this gift. Because look, children are a gift and you're supposed to enjoy children. But if you don't take care, the child can become a burden and a source of conflict rather between the couple. Hallelujah. Especially modern day. 
where father is working mother is working everybody must adjust and sacrifice hallelujah don't you see the married man here you see Chrissy is the one carrying the baby put your hands together for him aha I've been watching the sons in the house they are doing very very well when it comes to carrying babies the women have done some in the womb <laughs> when it comes out of the womb the muscles no we have more muscle than them hallelujah of course there are certain things the baby would demand that Kwesi can't give he doesn't have breast milk so when it comes to that one he will hand over hallelujah aha he's adjusting <laughs> it's adjustment work together and adjust if you will continue to think the way you were thinking when there was no baby when a baby comes you will run into trouble you have to admit the fact that you will not get to sleep eight hours again you understand your eight hours continuous sleep no like it's gone just accept it and adjust to it and your life will be better that way because some of the children the good ones will wake up twice in the night if you have one like me six times seven times when he cries and you are both up and he has been fed and he goes to sleep when you are now going to fall asleep again you go, ah! can you say cry <laughs> <My bro. laughs> no, 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 no. you can't say that you have to wake up there are times that you go three days and you've not had any proper sleep that one too can come with irritability it will come it's like it becomes like petrol and fire the slightest thing you will explode right now <laughs> somebody say adjustment i see these things if you have prepared your mind for it and your heart for it it's easier to take but as Jesus said, he must needs go through Samaria. That's one of these things you must go through them. You must go through them. Wake up five times, six times. You wake up in the morning, and both of your eyes are red. Not that you were having fighting spiritual warfare in your dream. <laughs> it is the gift that God has given to you. That is making you unable to sleep. Adjust to it. When they are babies, it comes with its own challenges. When they become toddlers, it's another level. You see, when they are babies, eh, you can put them on the bed and leave them. When they've reached the age where they can crawl off the bed, it means if they're on the bed, you must be in the bedroom. When they are babies, they can be on the bed and you will be in the kitchen. You hear again, then you come. That is easier. And when they learn to stand and they can pull things, your eyes cannot, you, you can't take your eyes off them. Now my wife calls it Master Dad, not my Debbie. You can't sleep when they are awake. That is the gift that God has given to you. <laughs> and when they start running around, two years, two, three, they say the terrible twos. They just have the spirit of rebellion. 
whatever you say, they will do the opposite. And their favorite word at that time is no. <laughs> we look at you and say no. Do you want to eat? No. Are you hungry? No. Are you full? No. <laughs> Everything is no. <laughs> Around those times, if you have not adjusted your mind, adjusted your way of thinking and the way of doing things, you will fight and fight and fight and fight and fight. And by the time that phase is over, the dynamics of your marriage would have changed and shifted forever. That will become the new norm. But may that not be your story in the name of Jesus Christ. Ah, you need to adjust. You need to adjust. How many signs have I got? Okay, it's, it's still inability to adjust. Even in ministry, you have to learn to adjust. Yeah. You have to learn to adjust. What will work here at Overflow Worship Center when you go to believers on the mountaintop fire assembly gathering? <laughs> the same thing might not work. So one of the signs of maturity in ministry is, is the ability to adjust quickly. And those of you who minister in song, in word, may, may God give you that grace to be able to adjust quickly. There are some places when you go and go and give deep revelation, ha ha ha, they are happy. They will stand and fold their arms. Preach to me. Oh, you are firing the word. Some places you go and now you are doing Greek and Hebrew. Can I say I'm not preaching here and call now then Greek and Hebrew? They don't understand what you are doing. Some of the places they want you to say, Hey, everybody, begin to clap. Anointing. That's what will work. Sometimes when I'm going to preach at programs and maybe I'm not the first person, sometimes I like to watch the previous days, maybe if it's Facebook Live, I'll watch, I'll examine the atmosphere. Well, if I can't be there myself to examine the atmosphere and judge the best way to go, I'll, I'll watch it online if I can. Or if I can go to maybe previous videos or whatever of things that have happened in the place, I'll, I'll look at it and judge. This place, this is how we go. There are some places, don't go and raise English songs. And raise English songs, they will look at you. You will sing a solo. And you must also be mature enough to know that when this thing that is supposed to be a ministration and I'm leading people to sing and it's becoming a solo, I must switch. That is adjustment. That is maturity. Hallelujah. Paul said to the Greek, I became a Greek, to the Jew, I became a Jew, so that I will win some, so that his ministry will work. Don't say, as for me, there are some English songs that I sing. That is the anointing that is upon my life. <laughs> so you stand there, you sing. See the way atmosphere shift now worked here? In another place, the atmosphere will rather close. <laughs> <laughs> one time we went I think it was probably the last time we went to Hope for Fire Rally we did some praises at the end of the thing 
I mean, the praises worked though. It was working fine, fine, fine. Until an Ewes song was brought into the thing. I said, ah, if we had known Anka, we will learn Ewes songs in choir. We will sing throughout. <laughs> ah, the whole thing went to another level altogether. I was like, yeah, the Lord is in this place. <laughs> I was like, I think 2015, 2016. You know, this Vovume song that we are now singing, it's been there for a long time. It's been there. That was the first day I heard that song and I saw people dancing. Hey, Vovume. It's like, the atmosphere has picked up. You must learn to adjust. You go to a place you are ministering and the atmosphere is hard. There are some places the atmosphere is like stone. When you preach the word, it's like the people are playing table tennis with you. You smash and they smash it back to the pulpit. <laughs> you have to quickly adjust and know what to do to get through to them. There are different ways of breaking a hard atmosphere. You can raise prayer. You can raise worship. But another thing that breaks a hard atmosphere that people don't know is humor joy, letting the people laugh. Two weeks ago, when I, when I started this, you realize the other day, I was like, it was as if I was doing a stand-up comedy. I was just fooling around. <laughs> it was because I entered the building, I realized ah, there was something. I think that day there was something wrong with the sound. and so, The usual atmosphere I come to meet in church wasn't, wasn't like that. And I was like, oh, is it prayer? Should we, do? we are just finished worship. But the thing was still hard. We finished 16 days fasting and prayer, so it's not prayer. I was like, let me make the people laugh. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say adjustment. You need to know how to adjust. In life, in marriage, in ministry, you need to adjust. Don't, 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 don't be, how do we call it? Stuck in your old ways. There are some places when you start working there now, your dressing must change. people will come to the workplace you are assistant manager but they will think you are the cleaner you must learn to just have an open mind even with the word of God have an open mind there are certain things you believed that are not correct when they preach to you and you look into the scripture and you realize that this thing is right some people don't say and yeah, what you said is true, Mum, but I me mean, that is what I believed from children's service. That's what I was told. That Adam and Eve they ate an apple. Me have not even seen is the word apple in the Bible. <laughs> I don't know where the apple thing came from. What is the basis for it? Can somebody tell me? Like, I don't know. They just said the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Why, why the apple? Like, can somebody explain to me? Why, why not orange? Why not mango? Why not alasa? <laughs> oh, that place, they don't have alasa. Eh? I would have loved to see, and they took the alasa and ate. I look good to go anti cancer. It's when you eat it, you cancer. But that is what is in your mind. And you don't want to adjust. You don't want to learn new things. You must learn to use cutlery. 
and even the cutlery should go beyond the fork knife spoon because there are some places you go and there are four different kinds of fork go and, today go and read and learn what different kinds of forks are used for because if you should be invited to some big dinner right now you go and disgrace your father your mother and me that's some disgrace it's transcends your biological parents your spiritual parents cry become <laughs> don't think because you just see fork knife spoon you have arrived there are different kinds of the spoon there are some that's for dessert so you go and sit down you say uh, my year of great harvest open heavens god will open the heavens and you will sit with some big people to eat and now that you uh, uh, something that's supposed to be for soup, you are using it to stir the tea. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Today, everybody, assignment: go and read on, go to YouTube. I'm sure there are videos. Different kinds of forks, different kinds of knives, different kinds of spoons, so that you don't go and disgrace your father, your mother, and me. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> And to adjust. And to adjust. Oh, that's from India. Me, where I'm coming from, they are put on you. That is where I'm coming from. That is me. Let me be myself. Let me be myself. Onsana. I should I bother? This is my fork and this is my knife. And <laughs> you can see the same place. The food goes to the same place. You go and sit some big dinner and you take the bone and the marrow. <laughs> I must suck out the marrow. By the time you leave the dinner, your respect, the respect they have for you is gone. It has disappeared. Because you want to be yourself. Go and learn, oh, because big invitations are coming your way. You are going to dine with kings and you are going to dine with presidents. Because of the grace and the favor that is upon your head. So learn to adjust. Some of you, the ladies, one hairstyle. One. So that when you change it today, I won't recognize you because for the past nine months, one hairstyle. All in the name of convenience. <laughs> Sometimes they weave on no bakuna, bakuna, bakuna. Somebody says some of the people, they, they wear the one we got when they pass by you, eh? Some anointing that will slay you. Hey! One pastor said, You wear one weave on for nine months. Is it a pregnancy? Is it pregnancy? What are you incubating on it? 
change your style a little. Adjust to the environment. In some churches, they wear duku. So it's not a problem. Like everybody's hair is covered. Is Here we don't wear. Let us see different. I'm not saying because of that to do and put unreasonable pressure on somebody. Your saloon bills. The pastor said. Be reasonable. Hallelujah. Yeah. Some people can be so unreasonable on some of these things. Let me go back to the unreasonable demands. Well, they'll put dem- Look, when somebody's going out with, with you, your financial burdens are not his responsibility. Understand that. The person hasn't married you yet. And I'm broke. Okay, <laughs> me too. I'm broke like a fracture. <laughs> <laughs> we all we broke. <laughs> and how can you watch me? <laughs> this, that, that, that. You even give me money to fix my hair. Hey, before you came, what were you doing? You had down cards. And they try so that you just buy comb for you one day. <laughs> Let's comb it, brush it, then we move. <laughs> Some people even put pressure to the extent that if you are not able to meet their, what do you call it, the time you realize they are side chick for some married man because he has money. Mm. You say, hey, you have left your own boy. And you are playing side chick for somebody. You know what they will tell you? I would rather be a substitute at Manchester United than to be a starter at Pando Heart of Lions. You know Pando Heart of Lions. <laughs> this one, it is. You, you can quote me on that. I, I have the patent to that <laughs> quotation. <laughs> Substitute, you sit on the bench. Man, you at least some thousands of pounds. What do you get? Transportation. Some teams in Ghana, when you finish your winning bonus, is Gary Sokin. So, Charlie, I miss the Gary Sokin. They had milk. That's the winning bonus. I can't do out of like when they were in the Premier League, no more hard. They are beating all the big teams like that. I don't know what happened to them. They disappeared. Today, Hassan Kotoko are playing there. I'm a Hass fan, but I'm a Suruka crap. I'm a Yem Shishim. I'm like, that the God of miracles, signs and wonders. People, they've gone for some Cameroonian guy who is just scoring goals like that. In fact, this after after I have to bind his legs. <laughs> 52nd minute. <laughs> they be like, look. <laughs> they will substitute him. Uncle. I tell it to be nil-nil. Then some back pass be not a fago keeper. Tell somebody learn to adjust. Tell another person learn to adjust. The fourth sign of immaturity 
unreasonable spending unreasonable spending people must grow and mature out of that realm unreasonable spending look we must learn to postpone pleasures we must learn to postpone pleasures some of the people you are seeing enjoying now they tightened the belt for a long time before they got to where you are seeing them yeah. tighten your belt a lot of people learn when their income increases so does their expenditure you can't you you can't build wealth like that if they bring you uh, they say oh your salary has been increased by 40 percent your expenditure increases by 46 percent you can't build wealth like that suddenly all the things you wish you had if you had that kind of money you begin to bring them into your life but if you can just learn to suspend certain pleasures for a while you'll be able to build wealth and enjoy later hallelujah this is a time of your life when you can endure so if there's any time to endure it's now so you can enjoy life later there's a certain kind of house you are not ready for you are not ready to rent why do you spend so much money on that kind of house just because you want to keep up appearances or just because you want a certain level of comfort if what you can afford is not killing you and is not a disgrace and an embarrassment to you stay there and save the money and use it for something else hallelujah yeah. It's not the time for luxury apartments that will charge you three thousand a month and five thousand and some, in sometimes it's dollars one thousand dollars a month. So when your friends come to visit you, ah, uh-huh, yeah, not air conditioning, and you know, there's a meanwhile who break you are suffering. You got your back pay, no. You saw some promotion on a, a Facebook. Five-day trip to Dubai. You want to go so that they'll say that you too, the Dubai, you want to take pictures, thousand, and release them small, small, small on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. You think you are living the higher life. Five days, but five, just five days. Five days. This you get some money. No, hey, you go and buy $700 shoe. It's as if when you wear it, you know, wrapped up and you are gone. Learn to save money and then cut down on the impulse buying. You know what impulse buying is? You've not, not planned, though. I mean, a bit of it is allowed. But when you go to town and 60% of the things you come back home with were impulse purchases, it's a problem. Saw the shoe, no, a red shoe, it the enemy red dress in the back Meanwhile, you went there to go and buy a black shoe. So you buy the black and add the red and then they move. So you come back with three shoes instead of one. If you have the money and you can afford that kind of thing, it's fine, it's okay. 
But if at the end of the day it's going to cause you hardship somewhere. You need to learn to be economical. But that is also not a license to be stingy on other people and on to, or upon yourself. Some people are too stingy on themselves. There are some people, the kind of stinginess they display, I'm beginning to believe there's a spirit of stinginess. Like it's a spirit. Everything is expensive. I've seen people like everything. Even if it's a 50 Hey! Anybody in Baba? Hey! We all know we are in Ghana. We are not in Togo. We are not in. We all know we are in Ghana. And people, everything is expensive. Small birthday gift that you give to her. Economic calculations. Differentiation and integration. Plus or minus. All kinds of things. Why? Same thing to when it comes to giving in church. Mm. That is when you remember that you have needs. And mm, I have to pay this, I have to pay. God understands. That's what God is a very merciful God. He's a father unto all. He will understand my plight and my situation. Stinginess. The fact that you need to be economical doesn't mean you have the license to be stingy. People don't know how much blessing there is in giving to other people. The Bible says when you give to somebody, you lend to God. When you want to lend money to somebody, you look at the person's credibility in terms of the ability to pay. Who is a more credible borrower than God himself? Who owns the entire world? His collateral is the entire universe. He's coming to borrow from you with a collateral of the entire universe. See, when you go to a bank to borrow, you use your car or your house. This man is coming to borrow from you and the entire universe is the collateral he's coming from. With, including you yourself, you are part of his collateral. <laughs> so, as much as yes, being economical and being calculated, and look, when you are economical now and you calculate things now, a time will come when you don't need to do calculations again. When now you've built wealth and on a daily basis, certain kinds of monies are coming into your, your account, and you've attained what we call financial freedom where your money is now working for you and you can retire early at the age of 40 and go and sit on a beach in Bahamas and cross your legs and be speaking in tongues the Lord is good <laughs> that time will come in your life oh you reach a place of financial freedom in the name of Jesus you reach a point where you don't have to calculate how much to give and how much to spend because your bonds will be full and the blessings of the Lord will be your portion. But you need to start taking the steps now. It's not going to fall from heaven like that, boom. It's not just the prayer. The prayer sets the atmosphere and creates the opportunity. But you yourself, you must move. And you must do certain things and place yourself in a place where you can receive the blessing from God. It says, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. 
the blessing of the Lord creates the environment and the atmosphere for you to make wealth. You must take advantage of it. Hallelujah. So stop the unnecessary spending from peer pressure. Amongst all your friends, you are the only one who has not sat in a plane before. So do how can I be in my 20s? Every time I travel on the ground, me to have to be in the air. If you have the money for it, fine. If you don't, the time will come. Hallelujah. When your passport will become like a Bible. This are no bibris, and your passport. You know, you see some people in the passport, they bunch like six or seven like that. that. That is going to be your portion in the name of Jesus. The earth is the lost. As we are children of God, we, we, we will walk everywhere. We will go everywhere. The north, the south, east, west, Australia, New Zealand. Uber call holidays. Whoa. Hallelujah. Yeah. So learn to be thrifty. Learn to be economical now. And you will enjoy later. How many have I given you? Four. Let me give you number five. When you take negative feedback badly, there are some people they can't take negative feedback. <clears throat> Always we want the feedback to be positive. So if somebody gives you negative feedback, that oh, today you could have done this thing a little better this way, and you are sad. It's a sign of immaturity. It means you don't want to progress. It is criticism and critiquing that will make you better. And in fact, you must start by critiquing yourself first before anybody comes to tell you that this and this and that. Me, I'm excited when certain things are pointed at. Oh, maybe the church, we can do things this way and blah, blah. I'm happy. The pastors will tell you that when we're having pastors meeting and church council meeting, I don't behave as if I'm the one with all the ideas in my mind. The mark of a good leader is not the one who has the best ideas. Is the one who can harness different ideas and synthesize it together for the best thing to be done for the group that they are leading. That is it. Some people get angry if they bring a suggestion in a meeting and somebody brings a counter, then factions are forming. Gradually you realize that even in the leadership you have majority and minority, opposition and incumbent. And that is what is happening in our parliament. For me, that word opposition must be taken out of our political dictionary. Use the term minority. When we say opposition, it means everything you must oppose. Even if it's good, you must oppose. I have told you before that the idea behind the E-Levy is not wrong. The question is whether it will be used for what they are saying they will use it. But the idea is not wrong. I'm telling you, me, I've thought about it before. I saw some figures, and I was like, no. This thing, if the government is smart, they will tax this thing. I don't know whether the percentage they are taxing is correct or whatever, but the idea, me, I'm talking about the idea. Because I saw some statistics. Ghana here, how many are we? 30, is it 35 million? Are we 35 years or 30 million? Uh, only 2.1 million are paying tax. 2.1 million. And tax is what is supposed to be used to develop the nation. And the 2.1 million are those that are in the formal sector. 
So like the health sector, this is a, it is the taxes of those who are in the formal sector. There are a lot of people who are doing informal businesses and they are not paying tax. All the kiosks and things you see, you think they, they go at the end of the month to internal revenue service that I end 2,000 at the end of the month. What is my tax return? Let me pay. You think you are doing that? No. So you have to look for something that everybody uses and then you tax it. So you increase your tax net. So the idea is a brilliant one. But as to the implementation and those who manage it, that is a different ballgame altogether. Hallelujah. And I believe anybody who has done politics and knows governance, knows deep within that the idea is not a bad idea. But sometimes you have to turn the people against the idea for your own gain at the end of the day. We need to learn to take criticism. When they say this thing, it's not the way mm -hmm, it should be better. If I should call some people right now after the service to tell, oh, this, you could have done it better. This is, this is. You should rather have a smile on your face that I have a chance to be better rather than looking sad. Because today's service, there are things that could have been better. There are things, not, not that they were bad. But it could be better. Oh, if this was done this way, this was done this way, this, this is this, this. We must learn to take criticism. Hallelujah. And when you don't take criticism, it is a sign that you are immature. That's number five. Number six. When you don't know how to relate to the anointing. When you don't know how to relate to the anointing. Let me read some scriptures for you. Let's read 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 19. Give me King James Version for that one. I'll show you how two different groups of people, depending on their maturity, related and approached the anointing. Now, this was the prophet Elisha going to Jericho. He said, And the men of the city said unto Elisha, Say the men of the city. Say it again, the men of the city. See when you say men, they are talking about people who have grown, who are mature, the men of the city. He was approaching them, and this was, he said, Behold, I pray thee, the situation of this city is pleasant, as my Lord see it. But the water is not, and the ground barren. So they had a problem in the city. And they saw somebody that God has anointed, somebody that God had given a gift, that they believed could be of help to them. Verse 20. He said, and he said, Bring me a new cruise. And put salt therein, and they brought it to him. Verse 21. And he went forth unto the spring of the waters, and cast the salt in there, and said, Thus saith the Lord, I have healed these waters. There shall not be from thence any more death or barren. Hallelujah. So, when the men approached the anointing, the result was that the anointing benefited them. Let's move on. Verse 22. It says, So the waters were healed unto this day according to the saying of Elisha, which he speak. Now let's look at the verse 23 well. Next verse. Verse 23 said, And he went up from thence just after men had approached the anointing. Maturity had approached the anointing. It became beneficial unto them. 
same city. He said, and he went up from thence unto Bethel. Okay, no, it was a different city. And as he was going up by the way, there came forth what? Little children. So the first time it was men. Maturity. But this time around, little children. Immaturity. Little children out of the city and mocked him and said unto him, go up, thou bowed head. Go up, thou bowed head. Next verse. And he turned back and looked on them and cast them in the name of the Lord. And there came forth two she-bears out of the wood and tear forty and two children of them. You can see two contrasting events here. Same man. When maturity approached it, it became a blessing. When immaturity approached it, it became a curse. And that should be our mentality when it comes to approaching the anointing. We should not approach the anointing like immature people. Hallelujah. How do we approach anointing like immature people? When, when you start getting familiar. When familiarity comes in. You see, familiarity, when we say you are being familiar, familiarity is not about being free with a man of God or having a good relationship with a man of God. No. Jesus had a very close relationship with his disciples. At a point in time, he was teaching and they said, John's head was upon his bosom. That was how close they were. But they never allowed familiarity to come in. The same John who had his head on Jesus, what do you call it? Jesus sent him to go and bring the donkey, the one he sat on to enter Jerusalem. And he went and he did it. So even though they had a close relationship, familiarity didn't come in. For him to say, oh, you, I'm coming, I'm coming. They said, go and bring the donkey. He still got up and went and brought the donkey. Hallelujah. At the death, at his death, when Jesus handed over his mother to him, he accepted. Yes, sir. You see, familiarity is one of the biggest tools the devil uses to prevent people from being blessed by the people they are supposed to be blessed by. And this one, I'm not talking only about pastors and that kind of thing. Anybody in your life that you receive from, try not to become familiar. Familiarity is when you lose your sense of a certain level of respect, your, your sense of a certain kind of awe. It is needed for the anointing to flow. I'm telling you the truth. No matter how anointed you are, if the people are taking what is upon you for granted, they will not be blessed by it. Jesus was anointed without measure. There's no time for me to go to that scripture. But when he went to his own people, those who know him, they saw him when he was a child. Probably when he was in diapers. Ah, this boy, God, Mary's child. This child cried. We don't know his father. Now the guy has come back. He says, I'm a prophet. And if you read that scripture well, the meeting started well. Powerful things were happening. And then suddenly somebody recognized him. Is that not the carpenter's son? Cape. Cape. The one who used to disturb us. You know carpenters can disturb. Uh, they can nail the thing in some rhythm. That's Cape. You, Kabe, you say today you are a prophet. Suddenly the anointing flow cut. And the Bible said he couldn't do many miracles. He just laid hands on a few people and left. 
That's what familiarity can do. Somebody asked me, how can you prevent yourself from being familiar? It is a conscious thing you do because the truth is that if you leave yourself, you will become familiar. When I stand in front of you and preach you every Sunday, you can very easily become familiar. Oh, we expect a certain, you know. By the time you've heard me preach for one year, there are some jokes when I start, you can finish. You can finish the joke. But even if I say 20 times, laugh. <laughs> laugh. <laughs> the laughter will be a, 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 a good thing for you. Hallelujah. Yeah. Familiarity. And you see, I have come to realize that sometimes when we are dealing with God, you see, as much as we are talking about immaturity and blah, 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 when it comes to dealing with God, there's a place for being a child. Let me end on this note for today. There's a place for being a child when you come to God. Look, we've talked about maturity, you must mature. Some of you, your problem is that in front of God, you have matured too much. You are too ripe. What break too much? What bullshit? You are too mature when you come into the presence of God. And that in itself is a form of immaturity. You are too mature to clap when they say clap. You are too mature to say amen when they say say amen. amen. And when people are doing it, you look at them like, ah, what kind of childish behavior is this? We are all Christians, so. When people want to still be like babies in the presence of God, one thing I've told God is that, God, let me not be a big man in your presence. I should be able to lift up my hands. I should be able to go down on my knees if I feel like. But some of you, you are too big. You are too mature. And let me tell you, in my life as a minister of the gospel, I've come to realize that it is those who have the heart of a child they receive the most blessings from God they receive the most testimonies they, they, they see the hand of God in the little things in their lives those who think they are gurus even when God does something small oh this one like it should have been bigger I mean this one is not it's not worthy of a testimony because you are a guru you are a guru you, are, you expect big things but you see, those who are genuinely chasing after God. Maybe yesterday they were breathing and they were, they were coughing three times. But, oh, this morning, I coughed only once. God is good. Those are the kind of people God is looking for. They will see his hand in the little things in their life. Some of you, God is even doing big things. But because you, you are too mature, you can't even see. You can't even see. When it's like this man, he's made us laugh, and now he's firing. Let me fire you small, and I'll sit down. You are not even seeing the hand of God. That's why the songwriter said, Count your blessings and name them one by one. Some of you, you are angry with God. It's one of the signs of immaturity when you are angry with God. Hey, you can you can be angry with God. Let me tell you, God doesn't owe you anything, He has already done His best best for you if let's say my most precious asset is my house and I dash it to you 
and later you are asking me for fanice. And I don't give it to you. Do you have a, a right to be angry with me? No, my, I've given you my best. And God has already given us his best, which is Jesus Christ. He's done his best. That is the best God can do for you. He's done that one for you already. You don't have a right to be angry with him. That's what the Bible says. Blessed is he who is not offended in me. He's done his best. The biggest gift God can give you is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And he has done it. So what is a car? What is marriage? There are small, small things. You can't forget. That's what the psalm said. And forget not his benefits. Forget not. You must remember. But you see, you must have a heart of a child. You must have a heart of a child when you come to God. Those who have the heart of children, they obey little, little spiritual instructions. I'm not talking about spiritual instructions that only come from the man of God, but from God himself. In the meeting, God says, go and drop an offering. In the meeting, God says, go and kneel on the altar and engage the altar. Little, little instructions. Look, when we are in church, God gives us instructions. The woman with the issue of blood, how did she know it was the hem of the garment and not anywhere else? She must have heard something from God and she put aside all her shyness and all the barriers that were in her place and she decided, actually, I must do it. Those are the people who receive testimonies and those are the people who receive miracles. Let me tell you. Some of you are too big, you are too old, you are too mature. At times you are ministering, Christ said, Lift up your right hand. There are some who don't. Why is your shoulder locked? Do you have arthritis such that when you lift it up for 30 seconds, you begin to feel pain? Why it is a reflection of your heart? Me, I'm like, I won't take God for granted. Oh. That is why I'm here for opening prayer. Eh? That's why I'm here for opening. There are some of you, you've never seen opening prayer before in this church. God bless you for being a guru. Me, the one that you are here waiting for me, for God to use me to bless you. I come for opening prayer. Because I know every part of the service is a blessing. I don't take any part of it for granted. But you, you are big, so you come in. You see? There are times you can't help it. But there are times you can help it. Oh, as for the opening prayer, let them do. Yeah, I want to come for the worship and the word. <laughs> and sometimes people are late and you even look at the way they are walking. There are people who are late today, but some of them, I look at the way they are walking and I was like, yeah, this person is hungry. Walk with some briskness and like Charlie, I've come, I'm late, but Charlie Lord, still, you know, I, 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 I. some people walk as if they are doing God a favor. As you are coming and you are at the gate, cry when they open for you to enter, you stand and send a text message while the ushers have opened the door. Air condition our house. When you open the door for too long, you spoil the AC. You stand there and you are sending text messages and say, Oh, please come, just a minute, just a minute. You are sending text messages. You are coming to the house of God. You are too big. Get down from your high horse. Get down from that high horse. Those who are really chasing God and have heart of church, they are the ones who receive the testimonies. Look, in my ministry, it is those people who receive the most testimonies. Yes. Because some of you, you think you are too mature. So little, little instructions you don't obey. 
Little instructions like you are doing, we are doing our visitation. I say hit the chat button. Mm. Oh, that's just saying. You, you are, I'm not saying the thing that I say you should write is what will solve all your problems, but the fact that you've not done it, why didn't you do it? Is it that you can't type? Or that you can't spell? Because sometimes I intentionally, when the spelling of the word is tricky, I spell it. So that you don't have any excuse. I said, hit the chat button and type, I receive the spirit of favor. But you, the, oh, Guru Gangalia, you are you. As I said, I'm not saying that this word will solve all your problems, but it reveals your heart. It reveals your heart. It reveals your heart. And when I say type what I've said, I didn't say press heart. The instruction was that type. Type. So it is those who will do it that if there is anything in it for them, they are the ones who receive it. Because their heart is open. May God make you like a child in his presence. In spite of all the maturing that we are maturing, may we be like children. May we obey the little spiritual instructions and may it open doors for us in the name of Jesus. May we put off that cloak of, of big manism and big shortism and may we come down from those high horses. When you come into the presence of God, your glory is nothing compared to his glory. The Bible says he dwells in an unapproachable light. You, we can see you and we can approach you. He dwells in an unapproachable light. May God give you the grace to be like a child in his presence. May God give you the grace to obey little spiritual instructions. And I promise you, when you do it, you will have testimonies. Things will happen in your life. God will open uncommon doors in your life. And may you also have the grace and the heart to appreciate the little things. For you to see God in the little things that are in your life. That so many things that are at the hand of God. But you think they are too little. Because you are big. And you, you expect big things from God. So you can't appreciate God even for those. But those of you who have a child's heart. May God give you even the heart of even a fetus. May you come to God like you are helpless and that you need help. And when you come that way, may God reach out his hand and touch you and help you where you have to be helped. In Jesus' name, put your hands together for the Lord. We trust you have been blessed by this message. For more information, reach us on 024-873-7250 or on our Facebook page, The Overflow Worship Center. Stay blessed.